This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Joey, how are you, man? I am doing good. As we're recording this, the stock market is looking beautiful. So Finally, after a couple of months. Well, we're happy to be back. Uh, it's been about a week, I think, since we recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back in our Keep It Simple studio here at the Asset Builder headquarters. Yep. Um, and we thought today we would do a little bit of a quarterly review. We try to get these out every quarter um, just to give you guys an idea of what the market has done over the recent quarter, maybe over the last you know year. Um, and as always, as our goal always is with, with these things, is to give you some context, to give you some insight into what do we do with that information. Markets are up, mm-hmm. markets are down. Should we panic? Do we need to run for the hills? Do we need to make changes. So we're going to walk through a couple of different things today. Um, But first, I want to start by finding out what Joey is into lately. The currently trending segment. Yeah. I want to know what is going on, what things are going on in your life that you're excited about. Um, Man. uh, So my wife went to Baylor, Baylor football games. They are not like I'm not I'm not going to try to be like, oh, they're great. Like, they're just having a rough year. Nah, they're not the best, yeah. but they're fun to go to. And currently trending is actually going to the game, not watching it on TV. Like, there's something about being in person. Oh, it's great. Oh, the energy. College like, football watching, is watching like nothing the, else. Watching the Rangers game with other people, way better. Oh, yeah. Like, that win felt. Also, yeah, way to go. Yeah. Currently trending well, baseball. Out, by the way. Based in Plano, just yeah. outside of Dallas. Shout out Texas Rangers. First ever World Series Good last night. Man, that was fun. That was, that was awesome. exciting. That's I'll call that like the second championship of my lifetime. Behind uh, the Mavs? Behind the Mavs. Yeah. I don't really I mean, I was alive during the Cowboys run in the nineties, but I yeah. wasn't really, you know, at that point I was a Packers fan. Yeah. I apologize. So that's disgusting. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, that was a lot of fun. So shout out Rangers. Um, yeah. but okay, so we got Baylor Bear football games. Yeah, Bear, going to the actual game, right? Yeah, that's, that's just even, time. I mean, specifically Baylor, but like going to the game is just so much better. That is a great time. Yeah. Um, for me, yeah, you, let's see. This is currently trending, right? Mm-hmm. Things that we're into. What am I into? I am into battery powered tools. <laughs> Dude, those will forever. That's an eternal thing, right? Before so, this podcast, we're talking about this. Yeah. I Dude. have recently discovered the joy of having like, a blower, a lawnmower, all battery powered using the same battery packs. I know I'm yeah. a little bit late on this, but it's big. Dude, dude. It's like, nice. I really look forward to just like blowing my driveway out. Like it's so quiet relatively. Yeah. It's so yeah. easy. I just have a bank of like three chargers ready to go. I just cleaned out my garage, reorganized everything. Dude, that's felt, currently trending. Cleaning your garage. Amazing. It was, well, is, it was like kind of cool out. I was like, you yeah. know what? Let's get out there and Mess some stuff up. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm excited about that. That's the Dude, state of my life. That's I'm also like kind of, kind of the, this is like the suburban way to feel like I'm cool and still relevant or like in the military, right? Because that's, right. I don't know, but like changing out the battery and feeling like oh, you're yeah. changing the clip it's of a like, gun. It's, I mean, it's kind of lame because no, you're like, great. I'm changing the clip to my <laughs> no, <laughs> leaf like, blower. I'm heading out but, to battle these yeah. leaves. <laughs> Show them who's boss. It was great. Watch me load up on this. Yeah. It was it's great. Just, <laughs> that, that feeling is good. All right. Hit us with the next uh, one. Yeah. So the next thing we're going to hit is uh, what is something in general 
uh, obviously don't recommend. Uh, uh, this is the, the segment is going to be recommendations. So if you want to recommend battery like packs, stock recommendations, no, oh, no, not no. Stock I mean, okay. we have we'll get to that, but like not that. Like recommendations of like oh, go see this movie. Recommendations. You go first. I need to think for a second. Sick way to turn that on me. Yeah. Uno reverse card. If you're if you're tired and just are not like get home. Mm-hmm. Just not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Order a pizza. Mm. Dude. Also like, like a pre-dinner pizza? Yeah. Order like a Domino's or something like that. Okay. Don't get to join our it's not takeout. No. Um no. but uh if they want to sponsor the podcast, we'll we'll think oh, about wow. it. But <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um but uh yeah, dude, ordering a pizza, also being the guy or female to recommend getting pizza, everyone likes that person. Yep. Okay. Recommend it. I'm gonna go with Working in an office environment, at least sometimes. Okay. I know. I would counterintuitive. You would think. I mean, that is very counterculture right now. Yeah. I like remote. I love remote as much as the next guy, but we recently here at Asset Builder have come back to the office. We wanted to do it sooner, but yeah. Yeah. Hence, we're back in the studio. It's great, man. Like, I really enjoy it. I like being Uh, around people. I get different types of things done, but I get like, important things done yeah. in the office. It's good to see everybody. By the way, we do have our fearless producer, Renee Bingman, over here behind the camera. It's nice to see her lovely face. Renee, just give us a, like, a really loud shout so the microphone will pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she loved that. Did you just say shout? <laughs> <laughs> she, she loved every second of that. Um, absolutely hated it. But no, man, it's, it's been really fun. It's been awesome um, to be back with everybody. And I'm yeah. glad that we're finally able to do it. So... I there would recommend is, if anybody has the option, don't run away from the office environment. You will, your yeah. career will thank you. I it's think. it's kind of like going to a like I don't want to say a football game, but but it's like being in an environment where everyone's working the same thing yeah. or focus on the same thing. Way There's better. Be There's so much more energy in my opinion. Absolutely. That, and I'm an extrovert. I get it. Yeah. Uh, but man, do I love it way Hence more. Why you're yeah. an advisor. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it fits. <laughs> All um, right. And is then, there one more? Yep. Let's hit it. What is something that you're looking forward to? Oh. I am looking forward. Oh man, it's so clear. I'm looking forward. We go to um, anybody that's like in the DFW area. There's a place in Oklahoma called Broken Bow. Oh yeah, and it's kind of like gotten more popular in the last couple of years. Is that a national park? No, it's not. It's just a town, I think. Really? Yeah. Okay. But it's like it's beautiful. It's like rolling hills, forest everywhere, woods, but like not super dense woods. Yeah. So you can like kind of walk through it. There's trails and rivers. It's amazing. So we go every around the like in this time of year. We're yeah. going in early December. Uh, my wife and our three kids, and then my wife's brother and his wife and their seven kids. Whoa. So we all go, and it's an absolute blast. That's awesome. I cannot wait. It's gonna be cold. It's going to be hopefully snowing. Oh, man, I Dude, can't wait. There's, there's something to say about like, I mean, I grew up in Minnesota, so I get it. Yeah. But like, man, I, I love, I like the cold. I yeah. generally, I mean like, okay, negative temperatures, that's miserable. Right. I don't want to die by walking outside, but like just 50 degrees crisp, it's wearing awesome. a coat. Mm, oh, that's fantastic. That kids is great. can just go out and play. Like there's no one around, so they can go out in the woods and do their thing. Yeah. And sit there. And- Not afraid of dehydration yeah. 10 minutes into it. It's awesome. Um, what about you? Yeah, so with that, I'm looking forward to the weather, like actual weather change because, mm-hmm. man, it gets above like 90 and I'm starting to be like, all right, I'm going inside. Like, forget this. For sure. Growing up in Minnesota, when you're outside, it's 80 degrees, barely gets above that. I mean, 85 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, do I love waking up to 50 degrees. I hate getting out of the shower at 50 degrees because even even though your house's internal temperature is 
right. room temperature. It's still, there's something to it that, that I'm with sucks. You, <laughs> it's like football season. Yeah. It all just fits. Yeah. Thanksgiving's but, about to be here. But yeah, the colder temperatures. Oh, dude. It's awesome. Love it. I do too. Yeah. So anyway. All right, man. Should we dive in, give the people what they want, some hard economic data? The real, give the people what they want? Let's do it. All right. So quarter three, let's set the stage a little bit. Obviously, we all remember coming off of 2022, brutal year in the market. 2023, we couldn't have started off hotter, right? Mm-hmm. Like first couple, three months of the year, we're up eight, nine, 10%. Yeah. Everyone's feeling good. Q3 was a bit of a, you know, come back to earth. Doozy. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I'll just kind of run through a couple of numbers here. We're going to start with just the quarterly number. So this is Mm -hmm. just for the three months consisting quarter three. U.S. equity as an asset class was down 3.25%. Non-U.S. developed uh, international was down 4.02%. And then kind of counterintuitively, emerging markets down, leading the way at negative 2.12%. So U.S. kind of sandwiched in the middle there. Mm-hmm. And then if we look at the bond side of things, uh, we've got U.S. bonds, U.S. ag was down 3.23%. And global bonds were down 0.78%. So walk mm-hmm. us through where that brings us year to date on these different different classes. Yeah, so uh, year-to-date returns by asset class, global equity. Um, so as a whole, we're we're at nine. We're up nine point three nine percent. So that's great. Yep. Um, U.S. equity is up twelve point three nine percent. Awesome. Uh, developed international uh, is at six point oh two, and then emerging, bringing in the rear, uh, is at three point three eight. So we're still up on the year. Bringing Even- in the rear or bringing up the rear. Which one would you prefer? Bringing in the rear, bringing up the rear. I would recommend up. Yeah, that's let's probably, go with that. That's, that's let's probably go better. with yeah, up the rear. I think that'd be a better option. That might be. A, okay. Do we need to rerun that so segment? Um, no, we're going to stick with it. <laughs> so emerging was bringing up the Oops. rear at three point three eight percent year to date, and then to, to round out the uh, year to date figures for fixed income as a category, fixed income returned has has returned one point oh nine percent year to date. Broken down, that's the U.S. ag. So U.S. bonds are down one point two one. Global bonds are up 2.80. We all know why U.S. is kind of leading the way in terms yeah. of negative returns for bonds there. Yeah. Um, Diversification, though. And that's I, why we have it. We'd like to tell just maybe a couple different stories. That's kind of how we talk about it here is what story can we tell from this data, right? Like what's mm-hmm. the lesson to be learned? I think the first thing is let's make sure we don't fall into to old habits, Um you know, we all remember the 2010s, how strong U.S. equities were. We're seeing that again this year. We're we're, we're doubling up the next strongest asset class, 12 and a half to a little bit over six in mm-hmm. international. But if we look at history, um, that's that's not been the case. And we talk a lot about like with our clients about recency bias and how hard it is to train our minds to think in long time frames. Mm-hmm. But that's what you have to do if you want to be. A, a better than average investor. It's it's a prerequisite. So real quick, let's just run through these. Yeah. This is kind of a ranking of returns, annualized returns by countries in the MSCI World Index. So kind of developed yeah. E- economies. Yeah. Obviously, remember the 2010s. So we led the way, the U.S. led the way at 12.85%. Um, the worst performer was negative 3.66%. So we did very well that year. The 2000s, as we all remember, a couple bad things happened in the 2000s, dot-com yep, bubble, financial crisis. It was a rough go. Last decade, yeah. We were fourth from the bottom 
uh, annualized returns for that decade of negative 1.82%. The best performer mm-hmm. was 11.55 and worst was seven point, negative 7.37. So much closer to the bottom than we are at the top there. Yeah. Looking at the 90s, this was kind of that that the bubble was growing during the 90s, yeah. so positive returns there. We were fourth from the top. We returned 18.13, with the top performer being Israel, shockingly enough, at 28.69. Worst performer cool. being just under even, so they were at negative 0.85%. Yeah. Two more decades to go. We look at the 80s. We were... On the we were in the bottom half. We returned fifteen point five eight percent, which don't get me wrong, that's that's a fine that's return. That's an awesome return, yeah. But the best return that year was twenty eight point four four, and we also lost to the benchmark that year, which was eighteen point right. seven six. So, and that's kind of the way to to look at this: is are you yeah. above or below the benchmark? In five of these decades, we're below the benchmark three times. Yeah. So. It's it's not a sure thing that the U.S. is going to run away with it. And just to round mm-hmm. that out, in the 70s, the U.S. returned 3.3% a year, while the benchmark returned 569 mm-hmm. Best return was 243 So it's, it's just a good reminder that I know it's really tempting, especially in this era we're in where, you know, in media coverage, you never hear about non-U.S. stocks, really. Yeah, um, yeah. no, they just talk about U.S. companies and whatnot. Exactly, and, and yeah. U.S. indexes. So yeah. it's really important to remember that maybe recently we've been hot, but looking back yeah. over history, U.S. is already really developed, already really big. So mm-hmm. we have to keep achieving new growth to lead the way. I mean, we can't have good returns, but if you're not diversified across some of these non-U.S. sectors or, or geographies, you are going to miss yeah. a lot of return that is is presented in capital markets. Yeah. And the S&P 500, I think the most common one is the S&P 500, which I think we have to realize that like people use that in their heads as a benchmark. And I don't think that's the best benchmark, right? Because it's not, those are the US, the 500 largest US companies. So that's one, a, correct, right? That's uh, mm-hmm. okay. You're yep. looking at, I was wanting confirmation there. That is correct. Um, <laughs> just making sure already, you're already just looking at large cap, not just large cap, the largest mm-hmm. of the large cap. And you're also looking at probably growth companies, which is again, you're, you're cutting off all value or not all, but a lot Mostly of it. Large, yeah. yeah. And then you're also not looking at small cap. You're also not looking at international. And um, one of the things people I think do a lot is they're like, well, Apple, for example, the largest out there, has international exposure. So, like, I'm getting my international exposure through them. Well, not really, right? Like, the if we look at an asset class, right, international uh, companies do not have a, a perfect correlation with U.S. stocks, right? So that's why you want to make sure they go into your go into your portfolio because that correlation isn't a one-one, right? That's right. And so, um, if we have a little bit, like, right, like if if the U.S. is down and international is up, well good because we have exposure mm-hmm. to those international funds, right? We want to make sure that we're, and then having that, having that international exposure, that non-perfect correlation between the two um, yep. also reduces your volatility. So yep. it's and just, especially like to use the Apple yeah. example, like they have a lot of exposure to developed countries. Yeah. There's not a lot of emerging markets, Yeah, you know, yeah. folks buying the most expensive iPhones out there. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's, and, and again, you have to think about like, you're still diversifying your geography risk if there's natural mm-hmm. disaster is it an area of production for apple or an area of consumption for apple like these yeah. are things that you really need to understand and the fact of the matter is most people aren't going to take the time or the energy to understand them yeah which is why you probably need to be working with an advisor that's going to maintain your diversification and make sure you remain globally diversified but i just think that's always an important thing to hit home on especially in periods yeah. where the u.s is overperforming because 
that that geography bias is real. And uh, because home we, bias specifically. The home yeah. bias is real. Like when we live here and the U.S. is on fire, that urge to get out of these seemingly, you know, why do I need this? U.S. is fine. Yeah. Well, it is right now, but it won't always be. Yeah. So you need to make sure you remember that. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I kind of wanted to touch on here is, you know, we this year in a lot of ways has been kind of the mirror, uh, like reverse of last year. Mm-hmm. So we talk about this a lot, but the the degree to which growth is coming from a smaller and smaller subset of of indexes is growing. And last year, and now that can help you and that can hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just kind of a good example of this. So we talk about the Magnificent Seven, the seven biggest positions, like those FANG stocks yeah. in, in the S&P 500. Last year for 2022, if you looked at the Russell 3000 return, including those seven stocks, mm-hmm. your return would have been 19, negative 19.2%. If you excluded those stocks for 2022, you would have improved your return by 6.1% to negative 13.1. Yeah. So these growth companies, they bring a lot when they're hot, but they take away a lot when they're not too. Because yeah. it's, yep. it's again, the more of a growth company you are, the more speculations involved because you're looking at potential, not realized yeah. you know, val- yeah. value yeah. production. If we look at 2023 year to date, if you look at the the same index, Russell 3000, if you look at that, including the Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. your return year to date is 12.4%. If you exclude the Magnificent Seven, you're at 3.7. Yeah. So it, it's not to say that those seven stocks are good or bad. It's just to say that a concentration to those stocks is going to really widen those, those range of outcomes. Like, yeah, those swings are going to be... Pretty, pretty aggressive. Yeah. I don't like, want to say violent, but pretty aggressive. Well, yeah. think about, I mean, in, in, you know, a little over a calendar year, you would have gone from negative 19.2 to positive 12.4. Like when you're at that mm-hmm. 12.4, it feels incredible. But when you're mm-hmm. at that negative 19, it feels terrible. So yeah. it's just another way to contextualize the importance of diversification. And if you're going to be concentrated, you need to understand the ride that you're about to take. Yeah. It's going to be one. I mean, yes, with a more risk comes more return, but that's what risk looks like. It looks yeah. like a lot of wild swings just like yeah. that. That's and that's and that's very true. I think I had a, a conversation recently of like using Nvidia for example, right? If I had someone ask me should I get into it, and I was like, well, you, you could if you want to. I'm, I can't stop you, right? It's your money, um, but I don't necessarily recommend that because yeah, they're doing hot right now. But if you go back, I, I think it's like two years or so, and just look at the graph, right? There was a point when they were up to like five hundred dollars, and then over the course of I think four to six months, they dropped 50%. Can, can you ride that downturn? That is that is the biggest ride at the biggest theme park right there, right? Yep. And like have fun on that drop. Like it's going to be exhilarating and terrifying. You will not have fun. Yeah, yeah, you won't have you fun, you know. Um, but it's that's what happens when you're in a concentrated position. Right now, NVIDIA has also exploded. So on the other end, if you were able to hold on to that ride, yep. good for you. Can't always guarantee that though. You know, it can't always guarantee that that ride is going to go right back up like NVIDIA did. Um, but you just be aware, like it's it's going to get crazy if you do that, you know? Yep. So absolutely. Anyway. Um, and then one more kind of point I want to make, I'm going to jump ahead here just a, a minute, but one other mm-hmm. point that I thought would be fun, don't look at the notes. Okay. What were the top performing countries for Q3? Okay, I know the first one because I just used it in a client meeting. Yep. And it was Italy. It is Italy. Oh, man. Uh, Come on. We already said U.S. equity led the way. Okay, so U.S. equity. Nope. What? All right, right. Way to bait me. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> All right. Um, and then... UK. Uh, it's in the UK. 
It's in the UK, Ireland. Yep. Um, and then, well, Northern Ireland is right. Isn't Ireland in the UK? Is it not? Is it not? No, Northern Ireland is in the UK, but Ireland is its own separate country. All right, we gotta leave that in. I gotta own that. Okay. We're advisors. It's, We're not it's, geographers. It's near yeah, the UK. Fine. It's somewhere in that vicinity. If we have any Irish listeners right now, I oh, apologize. they just yeah, shut yeah, off yeah, the yeah. pod. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, but um, so I'll just anyway. tell you: it's Italy, Ireland, Spain. I would not have guessed Spain, Denmark, and then the U.S. So we were fifth for the quarter. What if they said we weren't in the top? I said we weren't second. I was oh, one of the most. Okay, we're okay, in the top okay. Five. The worst performing, Hong Kong, Finland, New Zealand, Portugal, and Israel. Oh, so yeah, cut them a break. Kind of yeah. Assume Israel. What I found kind of interesting about that one is that's just such a random list. Like Italy, yeah. Ireland, Spain, Denmark. I mean, I dare you to find the corollary between those countries and 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 who. Show me the article where someone was saying, you know where you need to be hedged? You got to go heavy Italy this quarter. Yeah, like, no one, like, do you guys hear about the bustling economy of Italy right yeah, now? No. No one <laughs> like, so. um, But what I found interesting was Spain was third best performing. Portugal was fourth worst. Yeah. So it's just funny to me. Like, you look at that on a map, it's like you, you would think there'd be some correlation there. Portugal is literally just surrounded by Spain, yeah, if I mean, I'm not mistaken. It's just kind of in the pocket there. Yeah. And sure enough, they're on different ends of the spectrum. So yeah. they're, again, just trying to demonstrate the randomness of returns in capital markets is yeah. pretty, pretty unbelievable. Um, and so in light of that, you got to stay diversified um, if you want to be able to capture wherever those returns pop up when they do. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Joey, I want you to walk us through. I'm really fascinated with this. I don't even really know how this fits into the stories, but I think it bears mentioning to people. This is more of like, I guess, a this is a plug for DFA because this is where DFA, this is one of the things Dimensional who build yeah. the funds that we happen to use. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things they do within their funds, it's really good, but walk us through this this volume spike. Yeah. So when we talk volume, that means the amount of shares that are traded in a day or certain time frame. But volume just means how many tra- how many shares are traded hands, right? Yep. Um, and, and something that DFA does is they make sure that they track their indices or the things that they're tracking on a daily basis. So they have a lot of flexibility with their funds. They don't just wait for one day to quote unquote constitute a rebalance to sell everything they need to sell and buy everything that they need to buy, right? They, they do it on a day-to-day basis. So they don't really influence the market with, uh, I think it's called asset bubbling, right? When you have so many assets hitting the market at one time, you actually influence the price of that stock, that asset. Uh, And so something that is very interesting, and this is, I'm going to read the headline so I don't mess it up, but total shares of the Magnificent Seven, so that's like uh, Microsoft, Apple, uh, Google, or Alphabet, Amazon, Amazon, Netflix, Netflix. yeah. Yeah. The total shares of the Magnificent Seven traded per 15 minutes not the entire day, 15 minutes in the five days around the special NASDAQ 100 index rebalance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the NASDAQ 100 is just uh, another indice, right, that holds these stocks. And around that day, uh, I think uh, leading up to that day, it was close to like 50 million shares, right? Every 15 uh, minutes. Every 15 minutes. And then same thing, and then close to the same thing after that day. But on that day, every 15 minutes, close to, I want to say 225 million shares traded that day. Yep. Right. And that is 225 million shares every per 15 minutes. Per 15 minutes. Day. Yeah. Which is on nuts. the day they reconstituted. Yeah. So, and so 
Do there's that. just a lot of volatility with that day, right? Mm-hmm. So much that happens. And again, like, because you have so many assets that you're trying to either sell or buy, right? If you have, let's say I have a hundred shares, there's literally not a hundred people out there willing to buy it at this price. So now I have to either increase the, or decrease the selling price that they're willing to buy it at. So now mm-hmm. I have to sell it at this, at this price. So then it influences the share. Um, or on the buy side. Or on the buy side. Yeah. I have to, if, exactly. You've got to raise that price. Yeah. You so got to raise that price. For what yeah. you're willing to pay for. And yeah. what, what this means for the shareholder, right? Now the NASDAQ 100 is just an indices. It's not yeah. an investment, but there are many investments that track the, the yeah. NASDAQ 100. Yeah. And what this shows is obviously on the day of the reconstitution, that number of trades goes way up. That's a little yeah. bit to be expected because you have a lot of different ETFs and whatnot that need to track mm-hmm. that. But what it shows is on the days leading up to and the days after, there's a ton of volume because people are trying to game that system. In other words, yeah. everyone knows, everyone has Excel. Everyone yeah. knows where their tracking error is, what shares they're going to have to offload and what shares they're going to have to buy. And this is showing the market trying to game that system. They're hoovering up these shares or getting rid of these shares ahead of time. And mm-hmm. it hurts the shareholder in that ETF. It's tracking the NASDAQ one because yeah. – you're having to pay a premium to get those shares in the portfolio, a premium that wouldn't otherwise exist. Yeah. So it just goes to show that there is a lot of value in a flexible, whether it's your portfolio or whether it's a fund, being flexible with your rebalancing and not mm-hmm. being tied down to a date, like letting the market tell you it's time to offload this thing. Mm-hmm. Having a date on the calendar, especially on these really broadly traded indexes and ETFs that have high volumes already and yeah. a lot of shareholders, it's not a good idea because, and again, that's why Vanguard is like uniquely subject to this because they're so big and they have so much money that mm. when they have to reconstitute a fund, it represents billions and billions oh, yeah. and billions of trading. And it's just yeah. a really inefficient way because you're flooding the market with, yeah, with, with a handful yeah. of things in one day. So yeah. um, I thought that was interesting just to hear those kind of crazy numbers. I mean, and also what's, what's super interesting too is that the – like. We would think that I don't have the stats in front of me, but we think that the S and P five hundred like stock, which what is that SPY, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you'd think that that would be a buy and hold strategy stock, right? Because it's an index uh, fund. Nope. It's actually the I think it's the number one fund that's traded on a daily basis. So it's like okay, whoever owns this is not they don't not get buying it. and holding. So they they're just they're trading it like every other stock, and it's like ah, yeah, I don't think that's the right move with that with that fund, right? Well, it's definitely so, not, especially because if you break down the S&P 500 on a given day, you probably have, like on your average up day, maybe you have 275, 290 companies up mm-hmm. and then rest down. I yeah. mean, it, 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 it's not, yeah. a, if you're trying to time the market, you should probably be trying to do it more precisely. Because yeah. even if you're right on balance, you're going to, you're, you're losing a lot of that to attrition yeah. by just being wrong. But yeah. at any rate, all right, let's pivot a little bit. I hope everyone knows by now, if you've listened to at least <laughs> enough of these episodes, that you're familiar with the idea of a risk premium. But in case you're not, a quick kind of overview, and then I'm going to let Joey walk us through the statistics for the quarter. We premium invest here, and we advocate premium investing um, to anybody that has access to, to funds that try to accomplish that. But when we say premium investing, what we're saying is, we're, we're buying funds that are buy and hold for sure, but we're trying to target specific characteristics of stocks within each of these funds mm-hmm. that we're, we're holding. For instance, the most common one is the value premium, right? So you well, have actually- kind of these opposing characteristics. You have value stocks, you have growth stocks. Value stocks, you have, you know, a really strong book value. You know what that company produces. Mm-hmm. You know what it's worth. You can point to directly all of its value. And if you were to sell the company today, you'd be really accurate, like almost, you know, down to the dollar in terms of what you would get for that company. 
you look at a growth company, that company is largely potential. It's theorized. If yeah. they attain their mission, it will be worth this much, but there's also a lot more risk involved with yeah. those kinds of companies. And what we know is that thanks to companies like Dimensional, we know that value stocks as a basket over time outperform growth stocks as a basket mm -hmm. over time. doesn't mean we don't want growth stocks. As we've already seen looking at the Magnificent 7 data from yeah. this quarter, we know that when they're doing well, they can do really, really well. And we want to capture that. Mm -hmm. But we want to mute out some of those wild swings. And we do want the overperformance that comes with those things like value. Mm -hmm. Now, value is not the only premium. There's also the size premium, which... All mm -hmm. that really means is that as a basket, over time, smaller companies have higher returns than larger mm -hmm. companies, which checks out more room to grow over time. And then the only other one that we track is profitability. So mm -hmm. highly profitable companies or companies with a higher percentage of profits as a function flow. of revenue yeah. have better returns over time than lower companies with yeah. lower profitability, which also checks out. At the end of the day, these companies exist to make money. So mm -hmm. the degree to which you make money is a good indicator of your degree of the returns you're going to provide over yeah. time. So walk us through what the quarter looked like for, for those three premiums. Yeah, so as, as a premium, right, um, large cap was actually down 3% uh, versus small cap. Its counterpart was down 3.3%. So the premium that we were towards, that swing we looked towards, miss. yep, it was swinging a miss. Not by much. I think it was a foul tip, right? 3.3 mm -hmm. versus... 3%, obviously on a baseball kick because Rangers go Rangers. Uh, and then the value, right? The value versus the growth premium, right? Value was actually down uh, just 0.6 versus growth was at down 5.5, right? Mm -hmm. So you would say, context. even though they were both negative, it's relative performance. So yeah. you would say the value premium showed up. Yeah, big definitely, time. definitely showed up there. So uh, being in value this quarter turned out for you, right? Yeah. Uh, and then high profitability. So high profitability was down 3.5% uh, and low profitability was down 25 So that that premium didn't show up this quarter. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, one out of one out of three is, is not bad. We don't expect all three of them to show up. We don't even expect all of them to show up every single quarter. Um, but uh, having some of them show up when they do is awesome, right? Yep. So that's, and that's the thing too, is like we don't, and I just had another a call with a client. It's like, yes, we are in value, like we have the value premium, we have the small cap premium and the high profitability premium. Again, over time, we expect these things to show up, not on a year to year basis Absolutely. or even a two year basis, really. Like it's it's not going to be that. Now we do have exposure to the, some growth. We do have exposure to low profitability and obviously large cap, mm -hmm. um, but we're not tilted towards those things. We don't have a slight uh, edge toward those things. But again, we have that proper, we have the right amount of exposure to them. And that's why we have those tilts so that over time, We'll see a, a little bit higher return than if we were just in, I guess, just the the market, right. right? The whole market. So, and luckily for you guys, we have some data to support that. So, <laughs> uh, what the data shows, if you look now, bear with me. There, I want to set the stage for what this is telling us. What we're identifying is two consecutive quarters where the value premium, so that basket of value stocks, mm -hmm. two consecutive quarters where those stocks outperformed by 20% or underperformed by 20%, mm -hmm. what the next year looks like. Yeah. So basically you're looking for periods where value either really showed up or is really absent. Yeah. What can we expect moving forward? Mm. In the periods where value was really absent, in other words, when you had two consecutive quarters of negative 20% yeah, where growth, growth, performance, growth stocks really growth, outperformed value, yeah. Then the next year... On average, you had a 3.6% average 
outperformance by value. So value still outperformed the following oh, year. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I thought we were saying that they underperformed. Got it, got it, got no, it. No, no. 3.6% of the time, value outperformed over the following year. So yeah. if value goes away for a, a significant period, let's say two quarters, at mm-hmm. least two quarters, then you should expect the next year mm-hmm. to for value to come back. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Um, if you look at the periods where, oh, I'm sorry, flip that. Fli- I, I was wrong. So if you look at periods where they underperformed by two quarters of 20%, then the next year they outperformed by 28.7. Yeah, that's, 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 that makes that's what sense. I was like, wait, what? The way this graph is laid out is really confusing. <laughs> um, not having my best day over here. Yeah. Um, okay, so- You're good. But anyway, when value disappears, the next year it comes mm-hmm. back in a very strong way. So yeah, average yeah. outperformance of 28.7%. Even when it overperforms- Yes. For two quarters by 20% or greater. So value has just had a great run. What does the next year look like? Mm-hmm. Still an average overperformance of 3.6%. Mm-hmm. So value is very robust and very, it's a more stable investing experience mm-hmm. is what I would say. And those value stocks don't typically go under the same way growth stocks do. Mm-hmm. So we're in a period now, and, and we've we've had a couple of years like this now. Um, last year, luckily, value showed up, but 2020, 2021, value was absent. Mm-hmm. We're in another year right now where value is absent. Mm-hmm. What should that mean for the future? It should probably mean we should be prepared for value to come yeah. back. It's not based a guarantee. On, based on history, yeah. Based on history. Certainly not a guarantee, but if you're hedging your bets, I would mm. argue the best data we have says that it's not time to panic. It's certainly not time to pull out of value. It's probably yeah. time to, if anything, double down on value. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting data point as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Now that I was able to actually say it correctly. All right. I'm going to let you pick the next kind of story we want to cover. I think we should end on the varying views of economic growth. I think that's. Oh, yeah. This is this is awesome because this is this is stuff we see every day and I think affects everyone just because like we we get headlines the way we get. News now is just everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. We are contacted or influenced through so many different uh, news sources, emails, billboards, the whole nine yards, right? Yep. So um, some of that, uh, uh, this is basically talking about like, these were the headlines back in what, July, right? Most of these are July. Throughout. Most of these were in 2020, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then what they're saying now, right? So JP Morgan in July of 2022 said, our forecast comes, what is it? Perilously, Perilously close. close to a recession, right? So, aka, we are right there. And then in August of 2023, they kind of walked it back. They said, we doubt the economy will quickly lose enough momentum to slip into a mild contraction as early as next year as we had previously projected. Next quarter. Next quarter? Does it say quarter? Yep. Oh, wow. As we had previously projected. Yeah. So, again, they're they're walking it back of like, whoops, we're wrong, you know? And that happens, right? We, and that's not a mass amount of time. That's yeah. that's just over a year. Yeah. You look at Bank of America, December of last year, December of 2022, they said recessions are expected in the US, Euro area, and UK. That was their in their market outlook for 2023. Mm-hmm. August of 2023, we revise our outlook in favor of a soft landing where growth falls below trend in 2024, but remains positive throughout. Bank of America, JP Morgan. Yep. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're massive, Pretty big. right? Yeah. And then, so. and, and I should, this is not in any way intended to discredit them or to, they have so many smart people. Like yeah. the, the credentials of the people putting these reports together, much My less gosh. the people of confirming and approving Just and sending impressive. out these reports. Yeah. Some of the smartest people in finance, some of the smartest people in the world, oh, bar yeah. none. My gosh. It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. The Federal Open Market Committee. 
This was May and June of 2023. Yep. Staff continue to assume a mild recession starting later this year, followed by a moderately placed recovery. July 2023, the staff, and again, that's literally two months, May and June of 2023 to July of 2023, the staff no longer judged the economy would enter a mild recession toward the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Again, listen to all of this. Take it all in. Be educated. But if you're making investing decisions based on – and these are the types of projections that drive the media cycle. Yeah, It's these types of comments that make the headlines, that get into the news shows that we watch, yeah. the financial coverage that we get, and the tweets that we see. It's those forecasts that drive all of that. Yeah, And within a year on the long end, and in some cases as short as one month, they're they're turning tail. They're, they're changing. Yeah, And it's because they don't know. They're making these projections based on data that's already behind us. They don't know the data they're going to get tomorrow or a yeah. month from now or two months from now that's going to change that outlook. Yeah. So again, we do these reviews because we want you to be educated. It's important to know what markets have done and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And we need to keep reanalyzing the assumptions that we make, right? We need yeah. to keep analyzing the data to make sure that over time, the assumptions we're making still, still prove to be true. So it's an important yeah. effort, but we certainly don't do it to rile you up, whether it's good or bad news, we do not do it to say, hey, we need to get in into this thing or out of that asset class or into this type of bond. It is impossible. The best of the best of the best cannot do it reliably. And I can't think of a better, clear demonstration of that yeah. than, than these statements yeah, absolutely. that have been changed. I think, uh, I think Jamie Dimon uh, came out uh, not too long ago and said like, the economic outlook looks worse than I've ever seen it before. And it was like, great. Yep. The head of JP Morgan just said that. And now everyone's going to freak out. Um, but then like the next morning I woke up to Yahoo, which usually kind of Yahoo Finance like sends me updates or whatnot. And it usually goes on the side of whatever Jamie Dimon or someone of that statue right. would uh, uh, say. And they were like, if you listen to Jamie Dimon, don't freak out. S&P actually could go up 18%. And it was like, okay, what is this? You right. know, like over the course of two days, I've got two very different opinions. And um, and so it's just, it, yeah, just just be very weary, very wary of those things. And, and again, don't change, like don't make moves based off what you hear in the media. Make moves based off your plan and what That's makes right. sense, right? That's right. Get with your advisor, talk to them, see if it makes sense for you to to make a move. If it does, then awesome. If it doesn't, then have the conversation with them and and hear yep. them out, right? Yep. So And this was yeah. I, I should I should say, I mean, this was in light of a lot of things happen, especially yeah. in Q three. I mean, we can point to the obvious reasons Q three was down. Yeah. We know inflation expectations were a little bit hotter than we had hoped. We know mm-hmm. they pushed off future the first set of rate cuts up off into twenty twenty five, and we know how that affects equity prices and bonds. We know all of that. Yeah. The point is, is there anything predictive? in that. Like yeah. the same way that we didn't know that rates were going to get pushed off, which is why Q3 largely was down. Yeah. Now this week, it's been a fantastic week. Yeah. Why? Because the Fed is not going to hike rates this month. And now yeah. they're saying they might not hike them in at December, all the rest yeah. of this year. So yeah. again, information is constantly changing and, mm-hmm. and to make judgments based off incomplete information is something you should do really at your own peril. Especially forecasted information, right? Absolutely. That's why the strategy the advisor has doesn't really matter because any advisor that's worth their salt is going to know you can't panic when markets go down. Yeah. You have to stay in your seat. Now, not all advisors do that. Mm -hmm. Most, I shouldn't say most, many traditional advisors do not do that because Mm – 
That's not a sexy sales pitch. Yeah. But good advisors are going to be able to help you avoid the major pitfalls. Yeah. Good advisors are going to hold your hand. They're going right? to hold gonna, your hand. And be like, hey, we're in this together. Right. Because we live it every day. Like we're yeah. so used to watching the ups and downs. And, and, and two, there's value in being a little bit removed. Like it's not my money. It's your money. So yeah. when the balance goes up and down, I don't feel the same emotional yeah. kind of reaction that you might. Yeah. Understandably. Um, but there's so many benefits from from having that context and looking at markets that way. Yes, you're going to get better returns, and that's going to be great for you. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to be a much happier person. You're going to be much calmer. You're yeah. going to be you're going to be freer to fill your time with doing more productive things and say they're panicking about what the market's doing. Yeah. Guess what? Markets go up and markets go down. There's yeah. always been. I, I talked to a client literally two hours ago um, that was very concerned about what's going on in the Middle East. And don't get me wrong. I am too. That's it. Yeah. It's concerning, like from a humanitarian standpoint and even from a market standpoint. Could it have knock on effects? Absolutely. But in the short run, like, is any less Coca Cola going to be sold? Yeah. Are any fewer iPhones going to be produced? Are any fewer Teslas going to hit the streets? Like, probably not. And and Mm -hmm. we have to be able to put that hat on and be rational in spite of everything happening around us. And it bears remembering that. You know, it's only been like maybe the last 10 years, maybe mm-hmm. a little more that we've we get this like IV directly into our veins of global information yeah. up to the minute. Like, yeah, we're not social media is faster than the big uh, news channels now. It, way faster. But, but yeah. our they're infinitely faster than our brains. Yeah. Like for most of human history. We cared about what was happening within like a two mile radius. If yeah. it was happening more than five miles away. Man, next town it over. That's well next town over's not problem. Be existing yeah. exactly like it didn't matter. Now, not only do we know what's happening ten miles away, we know what's happening on the other side of the earth. Yeah, like up to the minute updates directly to our brains, and we're expected to process that information in a rational and an effective way. Like we're yeah. not going to be able to do it. Yeah, it's not to say don't educate yourself, but it's to say hey, like when you when you take that stuff in, don't have your investment hat on. Yeah, you know when you put your yeah. investment hat on, you got to remove yourself from that and you got to trust the data. So that's yeah. our goal with doing these these types of episodes where we spend a little bit more time in the numbers. I know it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but mm. man, is it important! It's it is some of it's the most very important, important stuff we could talk about. Yeah, I think that um, also letting like. I mean, let, letting our listeners know if if they're clients, and also letting our clients know when we're in the meetings with them, of like, I have my money in the market too. Right. Yep. My my wife looks at me, and we have these conversations, and I have to talk to her it. about it. Right. Like I I feel this too, but I am not panicking and selling out. That's right. I hope I can set that example for you. Right. Like I'm telling you one thing, but I'm also putting my money where my mouth is, and I am not selling out. And I would not dream of it because yep. I know it's not going to work out for me. Yeah, we empathize right? for yeah, sure because we, we live it. Yeah, we, yeah, live we it. do. But it's like, I mean, like. I want you to know, like, my money's staying in the market right now, you know? That's right. So, anyway. That's right. Yeah. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. to Joey. Uh, I've been Adam Morse. I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you to Renee, as always, for producing, doing a fantastic job. Another shout or No, we're good. <laughs> yeah. No, I think she's going to pass on that one. Um, man, we're so grateful for y'all listening. Uh, yeah. And we look forward to talking to you guys again here very soon. Yeah. See All y'all. Right. Peace out. If you have any questions for Adam or Janet concerning this topic or anything else, please visit us at our home on the web, assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every episode.